When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. I'm Simon Rose, and now it's time for the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell, joins me to look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. Russ, where will we begin this week? We'll begin in Frankfurt, of all places. Not a place where I gathered lots and lots of city workers are flocking in the post-Brexit panic, so far as mm. I can tell. Um, yeah. But uh, because of the European Central Bank and their interest rate decision uh, today, which was no change in interest rates, no change on the size of a pandemic equi- um, epidemic protection program, the PEPP, whatever they call it, yeah. but they are slowing down the rate at which they're purchasing the bonds. So Christine Lagarde is, is tying, the president of the European Central Bank is tying herself in knots saying, no, no, it's not tapering because the size <laughs> of the program is the same. But they are buying bonds more slowly, which you could interpret to mean. Now, um, the euro, euro dollars do nothing. European Central, uh, European equity markets have rallied a little bit. The US equity markets have rallied a little bit. So I think they were clearly fearing something perhaps a little bit more rigorous on the tightening front. And you could say that it is a form of tightening, but by golly, policy is still extremely loose when all said and done. Mm. But it is interesting in that you've now had the Reserve Bank of New Zealand stop adding to QE, i.e. they've tapered, they're not withdrawn, they're not sterilising, but they've stopped adding to QE. The Royal Bank of Canada has slowed down its pace of, purchase, pace of purchases. The Reserve Bank of Australia has slowed down. And even the Bank of Japan, its balance sheet is now only increasing at a crawl. So you are starting to see some signs of some central banks gradually moving towards, if not the door, at least, you know, n- 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 not, no longer dipping their glass fully in the punch bowl anyway. Uh, but of course, we've still got the Bank of England, which has also slowed down the rate of its bond purchases, And then the Federal Reserve still going at it full tilt, like the proverbial clappers at $120 billion a month. So I suppose the ECB decision moves the attention onto the Bank of England and to the Fed. And both of those are still very much sticking to the line that inflation is transitory. Now, one person's short term is another person's long term, right? Mm. I mean, I guess it's that argument that you get in um, the big short when Christian Bell's character is there saying, well, you know, I'm not wrong on shorting the US housing market. I'm just early, mm. right? And mm. he did it two years before the balloon went up. His customers were getting, his clients were getting fed up because he wasn't making them any money when the, and the stock market was going bananas. But he, he was right in the end. And I guess this is slightly, therefore, a semantic discussion with central banks. They're certainly raising their interest rate for their inflation forecasts. The Fed actually doubled its inflation forecast for the fourth quarter to to 4.8%. And also, it's an issue of semantics, because if you think about it, how do we measure inflation when it's on these indices, whether it's the Consumer Price Index or the CPIH Index or the CIHICP Index? Are you really telling me those indices are going to start going down next year? Mm. Well, if they're not, then that loss of purchasing power is permanent. And therefore, that inflation has not been transitory. So that's another way of interpreting it. So you've got to be 
you mustn't let slippery central bankers necessarily get off the hook there either. Though, though if what, they, they often do this. I mean, I, I can remember the last time we had serious inflation and that argument was always used as if somehow it didn't matter if the inflation rate was lower next year. Um, but you're quite right. You and I true. will feel it in our pocket. Yeah, because that purchasing power has been unless of course we get a yeah. whacking rate wage rise. Yeah. 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 But, um, <laughs> yeah. but but so that is a degree of sophistry. I guess what central banks are hoping is that, yes, the rate of growth will decelerate. There'll be a change in the second mm. derivative. You know, so, but, uh, but even then, there's no guarantees because I, I, I'm, but, you know, their argument is, look, it's just down to bottlenecks. You know, mm. we've all been released from lockdown. You've got uh, some supply side disruption. Don't worry. It's all going to be fine. Equally, you can argue clearly that, well, yes, that is correct. But also, people have just been given an awful lot of what could be described as free money to go out mm. and spend it. And if you tell people to go out and spend at a time when you know supply isn't you know supply isn't growing as quickly as demand, well, what's going to happen? Prices mm. are going to go. I mean, that's just economics one on one, right? So I think I mean, in that uh, respect, uh, yeah. I would and in the states, it was literally free money, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was three hundred checks worth three hundred dollars yeah. a month, yeah. and they're only expiring at the end of this month. Yeah. So that is still. But it, what is interesting there is if you look at U.S. retail sales. They actually peaked in March in absolute dollar monthly terms. And as certain states have begun to withdraw that stimmy, you've actually begun to see retail sales decelerate, which I guess economists will say, well, look, that will either people will go out and, and get off the furlough scheme, bless them, and go out and you know do their American thing, right? Go out and, and, and find a job because that's what the American people have done so brilliantly for the last 200 years. And some will say, well, actually, that's that's going to, you know, not people's ability to spend and therefore the economy will begin to slow. And so then you're in the territory of, well, are, are the Americans and other politicians trapped once you've started handing out this free money? It, how easy is it to, to stop? And you clearly have modern monetary theory says, so oh, it doesn't matter anyway, because there's a free there's a free meal here. You're already you're already grimacing. I can see some. Mm. There's, there's, there's a free meal here because. We can we can you know create the money and the central bank can then just buy the bonds back and it's all a lovely big lovely big circle. But in the end, I can't. I mean, you may be able to contradict me because you're a smart guy, but I can't think of one thing that, generally speaking, one supply of it massively increases. It goes up in value, mm. and I'm pretty sure that applies to money too. Yeah. And and so again, therefore, this is why this 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 point of don't worry, inflation is transitory. In the end, unless that index starts falling next year and you get deflation, which is the last thing on the planet central banks wants, because deflation is a killer when you've got bucket folds of debt, then that is sophistry. And I think we need to be a little bit careful. There. But we're still in this debate of transitory, not mm. um, markets are still kind of inclined to have their tummy tickled by central banks and believe that they've got it all under control and it's all yes. fine, because that's why we're at all time highs on most indices and but even when there is a little bit of a talk of a taper, you still do get some nerves creeping out. So I think markets know that that monetary, that monetary stimulus crutch has been of great value to them. Money's cheap. It is forcing assets, uh, cash into those sort of assets. Oh, it's obliging people or encouraging people to pay high valuations for them. Because I know the other great fallacies, and I, 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 nearly, felt it, I, I nearly said it myself once, well, all this guff about, you see, oh, but then lots and lots of cash on the sidelines. I mean, mm. absolute garbage. Because if, I, if, I, if you've got cash, on your sideline, and I've got an asset, you buy the asset from me, who's got the cash? Mm. I have. So the concept that cash disappears is absolute rhubarb. So don't let anybody tell you that one for starters, there's cash on the sideline. What it means really is that people don't want cash because it's earning them nothing. They're prepared to pay a higher multiple for a different asset and they think they'll get a better return. So it's, it's, all, it's not cash one asset, you know, 
Anyway, so there we go. Let's pause briefly for breath. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors on Share Radio. I'm Simon Raising, conversation with Russ Mole. Um, we're looking at the uh, world of investment from a UK perspective. So, Russ, and we're going back to something we've talked about throughout the summer, probably the late spring as well. This is inflation transitory. And, and clearly, again, the impression you're thinking more and more evidence is that it's that it isn't. But whichever, how do we advise investors to what to do? Because you can be fairly certain, given what we've seen with taper tantrums, is that the moment that markets realise the game is over, things might move quite quickly. I think they probably will. I mean, again, we've got to be careful because you know, every individual circumstances are very different and people have different time horizons and different... I mean, the first thing that you always need to do with any investment, as we know, is painful as it is, is try and get three to six months cash socked away in the bank just to make sure mm. you've got your bills paid because if there mm. is a stock market dislocation... I know it's not a nice thought to have it sitting there being chomped up by inflation potentially, but it's it's very, very important. Um, and after that, if you do see inflation, the things that, and again, there are no guarantees. My compliance department would have a fit if I said that history tells you this without putting in the caveat, you know, the, the past is no guarantee mm. of the future, otherwise all the librarians will be the richest as one. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> so I, I will take that fully, fully on board. But if you look at, say, the stagflationary or inflationary 1970s, then the things that did best were real assets. Because, again, if paper money is being slung about like confetti, again, it's that thing, if it's if supply that goes up, then its value relative to other things is, is probably going down. And therefore, that is real assets. Now, I know people may be a little bit wary of, 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 of piling into the housing market as an investment. I can understand that. But, but, but equally, there's a, there's a structural imbalance, it seems, between supply and demand. And even, although, again, you can argue that that is that industry is is broken because it's being so heavily subsidized by help to buying things that you've got to be a little mm. bit careful there. Yeah. But I still think that there's fundamentally uh, a, a, attraction there and that houses only grow up, go up so quickly and governments can't print houses, nor can they print gold and nor can they print oil. So again, uh, I think real assets would be somewhere where you would naturally feel inclined to, to, to gravitate. And if you want to get technical and draw a chart of the share price relative of the, say, FTSE All World Index and divide that by the price of the Bloomberg Commodities Index, then basically equities are at a multi-decade high relative to commodities. So again, you kind of think the market is fully all in on the, we're going to stay in a disinflationary, low inflation, low growth, low rate world. And the alternative is not really being priced into any particular great degree even now. So that would definitely be one uh, hedge that you would look at, even allowing for Joseph Stiglitz, it's quick about the only perfect hedge you'll ever see is in the Japanese garden. Um, that is definitely one hedge that you would have. Equities, they're a bit of a tricky one. Um, they're li- equities and inflation, it's a little bit like, oh, Lord, give me charity, but not just quite yet kind of thing, because some a little bit of inflation is good. Too much inflation is undeniably not good. Mm. Because, again, if, if, if inflation does rocket and interest rates do get dragged up, I mean, in the 1970s, when interest rates were double digits, who wanted to bother building a factory? You just could stick your money in the bank and earn a yeah, double-digit yeah. return. So there was just no point. So that was very deleterious. And also, it makes it very, very difficult to plan. You know, investments, and if you if you really don't know where prices are going and inflation is going, so that 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 is a a bad thing. Um, it would certainly be bad for growth equities, uh, the things that have done brilliantly for the last ten years, either these things that are promising jam tomorrow, or even these things that are very profitable but trading on 30, 40, 50 times earnings, because they're trading on those multiples because of scarcity of earnings growth. 
if there's lots and lots of earnings growth, even if it's just in nominal terms because of inflation, why would you pay a premium for it? Yes. You wouldn't. So you might as well start looking at value stocks that trade on PEs of about eight, because they're going to be generating just as much growth, if not more, than the growth stuff that's trading on a PE of 50. Mm. So that's one thing to think about. In, in the end, the probably the safer ones are the things which have got a degree of pricing power because you have to go and buy them. Things that stick down your throat, things that you stick down the sink, so long as you know, so long as they're branded. Uh, and unfortunately, the other thing that did very well in the seventies were, were generally, um, you know, armed stocks and defence stocks, because for whatever reason, there always seems to be a fairly degree of, of, of demand for them as well. But so, so as consumer staples probably offered some protection, but it's got to be again pricing power. Stocks come from brand, they come from technological edge, they come from market share, they come from captive install base, which you can service. So again, those are the kind of stocks that will probably do better. But these sort of topics haven't been talked about forever. And when I mention now Michael Porter's Five Forces from the Harvard Business Review in the 1970s, I generally get blank looks, not just because the article was written in the 1970s, but just because people haven't had to think about pricing power for such a long time because it's been like buying, it doesn't matter if the company yes. loses money, yeah, yeah. look how many customers it's got and how much profits it's going to make in 10 years' time. No, no, that's not going to work in an inflation environment. It, people just aren't going to want to know, I don't think. So, so there are certain things, you know, in inflation, you certainly, you know, bonds, no just a killing zone. I mean, that's just a guaranteed real terms loss for you right there. Cash, unfortunately, did so. They'll always keep some because commodities, yes, equities to some degree, but equally, we don't know. Maybe, you know, yep. the Bank of England governor is, 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 is right and it is going to be because there are debt is, de is deflationary. Demographics are still deflationary. Um, and so there are forces pushing back there that are, and, and technology and productivity are deflationary. So there are, mm. it's not an open shut case, but it still feels to me that markets are very much positioned for it's going to be all right, really, rather than actually it could happen, because I think that would still provoke an awful lot of volatility. Russ, thank you very much indeed. I've been talking to Russ Mole, Investment Director of AJ Bell. Uh, Russ, I hope we'll be back talking to us again about the financial outlook for personal investors at the same time next week. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.